Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dave Clay. So I had the stranger stop me on the street the other day and ask me how to get to the St. James building. <laughs> and I say, oh, first I say it to myself, oh, I know where that's at. And then I say it to them, well, you see that big building over there with the bank sign on it? That's the St. James building. It's a few blocks over, but it's one of the taller buildings. You can't miss it. When you get there, you go in through the side door. Now, that seemed pretty easy to repeat to you today on the podcast, and it was pretty easy for me to say the other day, because I could see it. (laughs) They could see it. I could point to it. I said, this is it. And as much as they could see it, I could see it, we could agree in terms of that perception, perceptual apparatus, hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, feeling. We were in the moment together. It was all calibrated. It wasn't very difficult to get there. However, a lot of things in life are not so easily, I guess, framed that way. But in the end, it's all about getting there, (laughs) right? That's the important part. And how we choose to describe it, what terms we use for it, it's part of our ability to use all of those faculties I mentioned a moment ago uh, to the end of human conception. We have to come up with some way of describing it so we can communicate to one another. If we want, if we want to help one another, I guess, to get to the building, the St. James Building. Psychology Today, April of 2022. Misrepresenting quantum physics to sell their claims is almost a prerequisite for peddling psychological adjacent woo. And this article is written by Laith Ashawaf, PhD. He's an associate professor of psychology at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. So here we go. It's a bit long. I apologize. I'll try to make it entertaining along the way, but it's really worth sharing with you. First, peddlers of bovine stercus benefit from the specialist nature of quantum physics and the obscurity of its principles. <laughs> that's, a, that's a statement, factual statement. If readers don't know much about the field, it's easier for quacks to misrepresent its findings and axioms. Second, quantum physics is genuinely weird. Take, for instance, actions at a distance, quantum superposition, and Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Intellectual... Montbanks exploit this weirdness, implicitly telling us that if things this profoundly bizarre are supported by science, then why not vision boards and the law of attraction and the power of chakras to cure your cancer and make your wildest dreams come true? Like many other varieties of woo, The secret makes a business out of selling false hope and glibly misuses quantum physics to do so. 
As Benjamin Radford and Mary Carmichael point out in the Skeptical Inquirer, the doctrine of the secret, which is a, a book manuscript, also has an ugly flip side. If you're poor or diseased or suffer from a psychological disorder, it's mostly your fault. You didn't think the right thoughts. You didn't put the right energy out into the universe. You stupid, blameworthy schmuck. This, ladies and gents, is the NBA all-star team of bull, otherwise known as woo. Biking, or excuse me, bilking people out of their money in exchange for false hope is nothing new, of course. Con artists have been preying on people's vulnerabilities for a long time. In their day, debunkers like Harry Houdini and the amazing Randy did an excellent job of unmasking con artists. They were famous magicians, but they also enjoyed successful careers as debunkers of physics, meaning, uh, mediums, and other frauds. The amazing Randy was a superb stage illusionist whose skill at conjuring were surpassed only by his faculty or facility for exposing frauds. Like many good magicians, he understood that the act of deception, whether done legitimately, as in magic, or illegitimately, as among psychics and other hucksters, is primarily about psychology. It's about attention and misdirection and expectation and sometimes a need to believe. The careers of Harry Houdini and James Randi involved an interesting juxtaposition. Magic is fundamentally about deception. But these practitioners combine the passion for magic with a passion for debunking tricksters. The subject of the documentary, An Honest Liar, Randy established the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry and an Educational Foundation. In 1986, he was awarded a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship, a so-called Genius Grant, which he used primarily to investigate and expose the fraudulent practices of faith healing, or healers. The distinction between magicians and spiritualists is that the former are honest about the fact that they plan to deceive you. They transparently and unabashedly call themselves illusionists. In stark contrast, psychics and mediums don't admit that they deal in deception. They would be ruined if they did. The claim to have supernatural or paranormal powers and they take people's money, they claim to have supernatural paranormal powers, and they take people's money in exchange for things they can't actually do, such as predicting the future based on cards or crystals or tea leaves, convincing grieving parents to part with their hard-earned cash so they can talk to their dead child. That's not just a regular fraud, it's callous, it's a callous predatory one. Missing the point of psychology. Are you a fan of psychology who believes in such of this woo-woo? If so, there is a sense in which you're missing the animating spirit and methodological backbone of the discipline. 
The progress of psychology, or one might argue the point of psychology, is to explain the human mind in a natural way. One that does not rely on entities or forms of causation for which we have no evidence. Psychology succeeds precisely to the extent that it's able, that it's able to naturalize the mind and bring it under the purview of science. We make explanatory progress by investigating the mind empirically, not by explaining away its remarkable feats by reference to agents and spirits for which we can't find any scientific evidence. The goal of psychology is a grand one, to understand the mind in all of its beautiful weirdness. Deja vu, the placebo effect, nervousness-induced itch, false memories, synesthesia, phantom limb pain, lucid dreaming, near-death experiences in a fully natural way that doesn't violate any known laws of the universe, doesn't rely on miracles, and doesn't postulate entities that aren't needed to explain the phenomena at hand. If you let in spirits or divinations or personalities forged by planetary pulls, you've given up before the game really got started. The good news is that it's never too late to begin thinking of the mind in this way. Your brain is an organic, wet computer that obeys the laws of physics and was shaped by the blind, algorithmic process of evolution. Come on over to the dark side. You won't miss the woo-woo that much, I promise. There's all and grandeur in this naturalistic view of the mind, plus we have cookies. So the takeaway, please remember in evaluating claims about the mind, anecdotes don't count. All the evidence we adduce has to be guaranteed kosher, untainted by confirmation bias, not driven by the placebo effect, free of the million other mistakes we make when we try to comprehend the world with our fallible, meaning-hungry minds. This is why we can't count evidence that comes from personal anecdotes rather than rigorous studies with the proper scientific controls. It may sound a bit harsh, but adding personal anecdotes filtered through our cognitive biases is just adding zeros. In service of understanding the world, psychology is wedded to the principle that if it doesn't, isn't supported by systematic evidence or isn't really required to do the explanatory work, we just don't need it. As Douglas Adams once wistfully remarked, isn't it enough to see that a garden is beautiful without having to believe that there are fairies at the bottom of it too? If our goal is to understand the mind, we should leave the phantoms and the wishful thinking aside. We don't need them, and we'll be fine without them. There's more than enough majesty and awe in the natural world. And again, this is written by Laith Alshawaf, Ph.D., and the article is entitled, if I can get back to the beginning, 
It's taken me a moment to turn the page. Misrepresenting quantum physics to sell their claims is almost a prerequisite for peddling psychological adjacent woo. So again, that was a bit lengthy. <laughs> I got lost there toward the end when I, as I was reading from the magazine itself, Psychology Today. But I thought it was worthy of taking that additional time. And as I am inclined to say, <laughs> in most of the podcasts, if not all, I pretty much agree with the premise of the article. I do think that we need to make sure that psychology is all predicate upon evidence-based, empirical, hypothetical, deductive-driven reasoning. <laughs> research, experimentation, study, science. Otherwise, it is worthless. And with that, there's a lot of individuals that do, are inclined in all but the most sociopathic and antisocial of ways to manipulate people in such a manner, way, shape, or form, as to personally gain or benefit from themselves. Now, you could argue that the whole industry of psychology, as it would be a profession, is sort of directed that way. It is all about making money. But it should not be at the additional expense ever ever, 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 ever of either compromising the central primary ethical consideration of who we're there to help. Yes, there's compensation that goes to those that conduct psychological counseling, but at the same time, it should be all, must be all, has to be all, emphatically is all, if rightly done, about the patient lest we fall into the trap of greed, selfishness, misrepresentation. Now, it could all be for monetary gain, but I don't know that that's always what it's about. It is also about ego, <laughs> and ego can take on many shapes and forms. As with example, I want to help people, makes me feel good. I want to fix me, but I fix you first. I want to fix those significant others around me that surround me. So instead of being able to really fix them or work on them or while I'm working on them, why not take all that I'm learning or have learned and work on you? I could put myself in a position of superiority. Maybe I'm a control freak. Maybe I'm a narcissist. Maybe I am, again, a sociopath. But rather than dealing in terms of simply monetary gains, I just like to have control of everything. And you do everything that I tell you to do. And you go tell everyone how great I am after it's over with. That's the dirty underbelly of not only what happens when you're not doing this out of the right motive, you're not abiding by the ethical considerations of the field, the profession, the study, industry, and may I add, law. 
because principally it's not about the psychological counselor. It's about you if you're the patient. And though I am going to receive compensation, and that's a bit of a dual relationship, that's why all of those laws are there. Or as with law, all those ethics are encoded or codified. So that we know not to do that with penalties attached. But it still doesn't prevent people from doing that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who do what I do for a profession that aren't even able to really see themselves as accurately or as well as we'd hope they'd want to see you objectively. And sometimes with denial, with all that goes into this, as the article talks about it, this grandeur of human operations, denial, defense mechanisms, all of those things that result in distortions, all of those things that otherwise represent in some form self-preservation, unless you're really, really committed, very, very difficult to always be able to see it accurately. And sometimes people do trip up along the way, which is never justification for a professional, one that is studied, one that is learned, one that is committed to making this about you, not themselves, from making a mistake or error. But at the same time, we are all human. And at the same time, we have to share some common dimension or we would not be able to have sufficient rapport. Again, going back once more, going back to the beginning of today's podcast, we all, hopefully, most, majority, are blessed, if I could use that word, especially in today's podcast, with all the woo-woo that we're talking about, to have full faculties or facilities. All the sensorium is working. We can take in all the data. Hopefully, same way, same manner, same form, part of that calibration effect lining us up. And with that, there is a certain commonality of experience that goes along with that. And then, as I mentioned as well at the beginning of today's podcast, there's a cultural effect. There's a narrative, a conceptualization of the world, what, what is real, what reality is, what truths that go into reality, what truths there are, how we take them and put them together to define reality. Or we don't, can't communicate. We don't have rapport. We can't get along. And possibly for the benefit of getting along, we might accept something a little different. Somebody might want to talk about woo-woo things. And we might say, ah, but I know that's a woo-woo thing. And really, I don't want to go there because it violates the core princes, principles or premises, precepts of this noble aspiration we call not only psychology, the practice of psychological counseling, but science. But not everybody is going to be where you're at. <laughs> I had a hard time actually pronouncing some of the words of this article, which takes nothing away from the article. Nothing at all. 
<laughs> I think I understood the majority of what this author was trying to capture and what the meaning of those words were. But quite frankly, unless I was currently <laughs> in academia, in this sort of ivory tower sort of place where we could use this language all the time or we could get together and I don't think people smoke pipes anymore or cigars as they did back in Freud's day or drink or sip on bourbon while they're pontificating considering what all these truths mean in terms of reality but I don't know that all these words really are as meaningful to you <laughs> and would come across much better to you than they do to me. They're interesting. You know, I like to expand my vocabulary. I like to remain current, current terminology. But my point is, he's living in a culture of his own creation. I'd like to believe that that was there in the beginning, whenever the beginning was of human conception, <laughs> culture, but we know that's not true. <laughs> Most people are born into a world that's not filled full of psychological talk, psychologies, another way of describing it. And that's what makes podcasts like this hopefully somewhat interesting, because I could do some translation. But it doesn't mean your narrative or someone else's narrative is wrong. What it means is we just need to make sure that we don't get lost or, as the article points out, misses the point or the takeaway that it's about a common experience of rapport that is empirically based, that is predicate upon some sort of examination of the facts or gathering of the facts and examination of the facts to the extent of fulfilling the major but also most basic requirements of the scientific methodology, established validity and reliability. The person I talked to on the street could see the building. He's not the first person that I've told how to get to the building. I've spoken to others. Now, I did have to rehearse that a bit in my mind before I said it to him because I needed to make sure all the language was there. I could have said, well, you, you want to take three steps which are approximately three centimeters forward. Then you want to go 15 steps, which is in approximately whatever the addition would be. And I'm not saying that's factually based. But I could have tried to present it. You want to turn right, you'll get to a crack in the sidewalk. It'll look like this. And by the time that the person took the first three steps, they'd be lost. We all want to get to our destination. We don't want to minimize the need for factuality. We don't want to be dismissive of the primary premise of truth being constructed of facts. We don't want to miss the premise of a solid standard way of garnering data or communicating that. You don't want a psychological counselor who's run amok, who's out in their own world, who can't see reality any better than you, who's not able to be objective for whatever reason. Lack of study, lack of application, 
their own psychological problems. All psychological counselors have psychological difficulties. There's no illusion in any of that. That is factual. That is true. That is real. We're just like you. We're messed up. <laughs> but at the same time, it doesn't mean we're messed up. What it means is we peddle, not narrative, not psychologies, not some storyline that aggrandizes us, make us, makes us seem all that great, not for the sake of profitability, whether it's, again, money, monetary, or, again, uh, somehow peddling influence, power, <laughs> showing up on television, even doing the podcasts. It's all narcissistic. It's all about me. And again, it's hard to resist that, and that's why we have codified all of that. Why we teach ethics in school, why we teach at university, why we teach the empirical model. But every narrative is personal, but it can't be so personal, nor can it be so specific to a personal interpretation, even if it's all factually based, if it doesn't have some common dimension of experience, culturally, some common dimension of language, <laughs> dialogue, what's it worth? You'll never find the St. James building. <laughs> it's not worth it. Because we have no rapport. We can't get along. And does that mean that I believe in woo-woo? No, but does it mean I don't believe in woo-woo? No, it just means that woo-woo, as the article kind of points it out, describes it, is not necessarily evil. Woo-woo is part of that rapport. Woo-woo is cultural. Woo-woo is cultural sensitivity. Woo-woo is language. Although I've never really heard it described that way. And I did edit the article a bit earlier when I mentioned bull because it had an S-H-I-T at the end of it. But I'm not sure that that would be helpful either. It could be offensive to some of my listeners. Because not everybody likes to use curse words as much as it may seem these days. But that's also cultural. You can't extract or remove the narrative. We can't say it's narrative. We can say it's different than, than facts, and with that, it may be different in some ways than truth, but all of its intention, not only to get the truth, but the only way that we really establish validity is not necessarily through simply the hypothetico-deductive model, research model of science, empiricism, validity, and reliability. But there is this thing called concurrent validity. And really, that is what empiricism is. Because <laughs> I could conduct a study, but if you can't replicate it, <laughs> I may have all the facts lined up, but if you don't get the same conclusions from the facts that I've drawn, then we've got a problem. <laughs> to use a colloquialism, NASA, we have a problem. But hopefully that is what psychology is intention to do, is certainly line up the facts in a way that does create an opportunity for some dimension of rapport or common dialogue that needs to be replicated <laughs> more than maybe once. 
to establish validity and reliability. But when you're trying to communicate those facts, you have to do some translation. Or the person that you're communicating to and with, they don't understand. Does that make me superior only in terms of psychologies? Does it mean their perspective or their narrative is inferior? No. Now, charlatans are charlatans. Sociopaths are sociopaths. Criminals are criminals. We should call them out. But we should call them out by intention and motive. And again, I think it all comes back to this common dimension of who are we there to help? If you're helping yourself, I don't care if you're a psychologist or a soothsayer or a psychic or a preacher or a shaman. Shaman? Shaman? Or you believe in some chakra or auras or even if you want to use quantum physics as a representation or model. Use it if it helps to communicate the principle. Maybe it's a metaphor you're using. Don't tell people that it's factually based because <laughs> you're misrepresenting it, at least from the standpoint of psychology. If you've not done any research on it, if you've not read an article or several articles or several studies those articles capture, that, but it's all about rapport and communication. We have to have some liberty to do that or we'll never get to our destination. We have to have some ability to do some crosstalk or we'll never be able to do it together. And for the sake of that concurrent validity, that's why it's about relationship. It's a relationship between the psychological counselor and the patient. It has to be there or we don't make any progress. It has to be there or we can't work together. It has to be there or why would you come see someone for help? They're not going to be able to help you. So, I agree with the premise of the article and for the most part, I think, I'm going to take it, the intention of the article was to capture this idea of avoid charlatans and crooks, liars, cheats, and thieves. But it almost comes across a bit as poo-pooing that woo-woo. <laughs> but I'm so full of poo-poo or woo-woo, as again, the article describes it. BS. <laughs> but we all are. We just need to make sure that psychology is seen as something other than a narrative. It shouldn't be a narrative. It could be a narrative for, at least at base, it could be a narrative for, again, the sake of communication if you're doing psychology with another psychologist. If you've got the cigars out and you're puffing them and you're sipping the brandy or whiskey or whatever it is that you do when you sit around and psychologize each other, that's okay too. But when you're really trying to help people, if it's a barrier, you need to get rid of it. Not science, not empiricism, not the hypothetico-deductive model, not the research model, not the need for established validity and reliability. But you don't even get those things if you can't communicate and talk.
I'm glad that we have a study called psychology or field that, that requires study at university and postdoctoral level Throughout the course of our lives as psychological counselors, we need to continue again with education, being informed, communicating at some level so that we can share the knowledge we have, we can establish the validity, we can do all those things that we need to do so that we can serve you better. That's what it's about. But when you come in, I don't want to peddle some false narrative, but I need to find out what your narrative is. I need to go to where you are. I need to communicate that in common English. Forgive me, I'm bound to English. But with cultural sensitivity, with appreciation for who you are, what you believe, that's where the narrative really, I think, is most applicable. But if I always bring you back to the facts, if I always bring you back to the research, if I always point you to the evidence, if I put a label on it, it's only for the sake, again, of a reference so that you'll know how to get there <laughs> or at least my instructions, my directions on how to get there are sound, are solid, at least the best of my abilities. And should you see some error in me, some BS, some poo-poo or woo-woo coming out of me, call me out on it, please. I do everything I can, hopefully, anyone you would talk to who does what I do, yes, it's for a living. <laughs> There's implicitly a secondary gain. Implicitly, there's a bit of a conflict, a potential conflict of interest or a conflict of interest. I can't give it away for free, at least to the extent I need to survive or need to pay the bills or I need myself to buy food and all those things that are essential to survival. But that's also why we do the podcast. I can share that with you it doesn't cost you anything except some time. And maybe when I read a long article, it gets a little boring on the front end. I hope that's not the case. I try to be as dramatic as I can in my reading. But sometimes the words are too big for me to always understand. I think I understand them. I just can't pronounce them properly. So as much as, again, the podcast's intention to do anything, it's just so that you don't miss the point. Psychology is great, but we don't want to make it a religion. And who would be inclined to do that? Probably more so the priests, the people who are otherwise in the positions of their ivory towers with the spirals, the steeples, who are, I don't know, informed, educated, knowledgeable but let's just be real, as they say, they put their pants on or their dress on or whatever it is that's appropriate. I don't want to be too gender specific here. The same way all, the same way we all do. <laughs> and with that, there's the human dimension. We, they can't be gods. They can't be. And you can't expect them to be or you're going to be subject to being tricked or fooled. They shouldn't or they're going to be subject to tricking you and fooling you. At least it's a noble pursuit. At least we hold that up 
and high esteem. Again, we codify that. It's important. Just as the narrative is. But that, the science, always has to override or be preeminent when it comes to the narrative. Lest, again, we fall into too much the trap and chase after the story rather than what the story is trying to describe. And truthfully, that's all you got when it comes to conception is what your experiences are and how you've put them together or the culture or society that taught you how to be you, helped you to identify you. That's all that they had to give you. But don't be dismissive. <laughs> it's enough to get you from here to the St. James building. Hopefully it'll get you from here to the resolution, or at least some resolution, of whatever the presenting complaint is, the difficulties that bring you to see someone like me. Once again, psychology today, misrepresenting quantum physics to sell their claims is almost a prerequisite for psychological adjacent woo, psychics, mediums, soothsayers, clairvoyance, psychokinetics. And again, the article, as I'm still trying to flip through, it's a split article if you can't tell. Pages are changed here. Written by Laith Alshawaf, PhD. Don't miss the point of psychology. Make sure you get the takeaway. And what's, what's my takeaway? I want to help you. I want you to understand some of what I talk about so that if you don't have a chance to talk with me, whomever you talk to, you'll be a bit more informed. I would like to also represent as best I can the field, where the benefits are, how we can help, so you'll know if you're being deceived or lied to. And with that, you can do some of that stuff on your own. It's called self-help. Again, if it is of any benefit, I want to invite you back to the next podcast of Word with Dave Clay. And again, as always, every podcast, I want to wish you good health and with that, the best of mental health.